Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Area 51, Flying Saucers from Another World, and the program to create a fierce technology. Bob Lazar remains one, the singular most famous and controversial name in the world of UFOs. The reason you know about Area 51 is because of Lazar. He came forward and told you about it. His disclosures have turned his life upside down and he has tried to stay out of the spotlight. For this reason, he has never let any filmmaker into his private world of his daily life. That is until now. Jeremy Corbell's new film, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, explores Lazar's claims that through the lens of 30 years, providing a rare and never-before-revealed footage guaranteed to alter the landscape of this debate. And we are joined today by the director, writer, producer, editor, cinematographer, and that would be Jeremy Corbell. Jeremy, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Mike. Uh, you know, I think all doing all those things on a film, that's why my mom gave me four names and my friends and enemy call me four names. <laughs> this is uh, a remarkable documentary, and I'll, I'll, first I'll tell you why I think it is, and you could tell me why, what, how much fun or, or whatever it was to make this documentary, but it is a film that challenges you. It's a film that will confound you at the same time. It is a film that is so believable and so relatable on a subject that so many people feel like they already know the answer. And yet, by the end of the film, if you aren't questioning your beliefs, whatever they are, uh, then you haven't been watching this film closely. It is a terrific watch. It's fun. It's exciting to watch. And what, what a compelling subject you have in Bob Lazar. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of your journey into making uh, this film. Right. So, you know, this film is about flying saucers. It is about an alien propulsion system. In 1989, a man named Bob Lazar came forward first in silhouette on the news with world-renowned investigative reporter and my mentor in journalism, George Knapp, and he told a story. And the story he told is of the United States military hiring him to attempt and reverse engineer an alien propulsion system, a non-reactionary propulsion system, a field propulsion system, in fact, a gravity wave amplification propulsion system. And that they are holding nine, that he knows of, nine flying saucers, flying disks at a secret base just south of Area 51, Groom Lake, at a place called Papoose Lake, which nobody had heard of in 1989. His face and identity was then revealed to the public about nine months after that, and that was it. That lit a fuse. That lit a fuse. You you might not know Bob Lazar's name, but you have heard about Area 51, and the reason you've heard about Area 51 is because of what happened with Bob Lazar. And it's George Knapp bringing Bob Lazar on the radio. It went worldwide. This meme of flying saucers, this story has impacted your life, whether you like it or not. Now, the question for the last 30 years has been, is Bob Lazar 
deserving of our trust. Is he telling the truth? That's what everybody has wanted to know. Because if what he said is true, it completely alters the entire way we have to look at the world. So when I was 13 years old, I heard on the radio in 1989, Bob Lazar talking about this gravitational propulsion system and these flying saucers from another world and the U.S. government's attempt to reverse engineer them in a program set up by our military. And it flipped my script. It weaponized my curiosity. What I mean by that is it made me dangerous because I wanted to know the truth. So 30 years later, finally, after all the hard work of George Knapp trying to get Bob to come forward a little bit more, a little bit more, finally, finally, we were able to get Bob to go on the record in a film. It, the film is intimate. It is personal. And for the first time in 30 years, you get to see who Bob Lazar actually is. You get to see him. You can no longer dehumanize him to distort his message. And that is what is so triumphant about this film. And yes, I'm very passionate about it. Because, man, it was not easy doing this film. It was not a smooth road. Bob didn't ask me to make a film. I begged him if I could make a film about his life. And you know what? We did it. We won. As a population, as people who love cinema, as people who are interested in the truth, we won. You've got a film you can watch now that shows you the truth about Bob Lazar. Is the reason he was resistant to, and to, to initially to your approach and to others asking him to go on camera to talk about his, his experiences. Was it a personal thing? Was there, did he feel like he had said all he needed to say? What was, what was sort of the basis of his reticence, initially anyway, in your regard, to coming on camera to talk about his experience? Yeah, look, he, he's no shrinking violet. I, I'm not going to pretend like he can't stand up for himself or he did it over 30 years. He did with George Knapp. He went on camera a bunch of times. You know, to say, yes, that's true, I told the story, and it's true. But how many times can you say that and people not really get it or understand it or they make up stuff about him? So really what it was, why he decided to let me in to his inner sanctum of friends, you know, to let me interview everybody that was off limits for 30 years, like his mom and his best friend who knew him before he was Bob the UFO guy, that knew him before he was ever involved in any of this. Multiple of those friends. The reason I think he finally let me do this film, well, I mean, I think it's because of my charming personality, but other than that, mm. other than that... Mm -hmm. okay, that goes without think, saying. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, okay, other than my charming personality, um, <laughs> really what it is, man, is I think that he, 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 you have to understand, he came forward in 1989 to protect himself. Yeah. Now, whether you believe that or your audience believes that, I don't care. I know that's true because I've had a very unique vantage point on that. And George said that. He is the most reluctant UFO messiah on the planet. He doesn't, it's, he doesn't like to talk about it. It's done horrible things to his life. He feels like he told you his story 30 years ago, and he feels like he tried to prove his story, but his reason was not to prove anything to you. His reason was to save his own hide. And guess what? It worked. By going on the news with George Knapp in 1989, it protected him. He doesn't follow UFOs. He's not interested in the subject other than what he had his hands on, right? So basically, he had no reason to do this. However, I reminded him that since he told his story 30 years ago, there are two new generations of people who have never heard his story. 
and his story has become so twisted and so distorted and eviscerated with lies and fake news that I convinced him it was worthy of his time to allow me to show and tell his story again. And that's why he did it. I, I believe that's why he did it. And, um, and we're there. We did it. Yeah. I want to backfill a little bit of, uh, in terms of telling this story because you mentioned George Knapp. He is an Edward R. Murrow award-winning investigative reporter. Okay, he he's a host of Coast to Coast, which a lot of people who are uh, who are into who are curious about the world we live in know of the show, which is a nationally syndicated program. And uh, so, the fact that George Knapp feels this level of confidence, and we see it in the film, is another testimonial to what uh, Bob Lazar is saying. I'll put an exclamation point on that if you want, which yeah. is that yeah, George George, you know, look, he's one. 28 Emmys, two Peabody Awards, uh, a National UPI Award, all for excellence in journalism. And not about just UFOs, but about the mob and corruption. And he busted a judge last month. I mean, this guy is the most credible reporter. He happens to be my mentor in journalism, which I'm so grateful for. This guy is a stand-up guy. They don't make him like, like this guy anymore. And yeah, he's not just standing up for Lazar. He thought for a second over 30 years, for a second of digging in that Lazar wasn't telling the truth, he would have told the world to drop the story, and he wouldn't be publicly defending him to this day. But, but he does. Now, why? The question is why. Because here's a guy that does his homework. Something people don't know. George Knapp was skeptical at the beginning, like anybody should be, like any reporter is, but he put Lazar through the paces. Yeah. He got people that worked out at the base. He, they, he proved it to them. He did four polygraph tests, passed them with flying colors back in 1989. I mean, you know, he went through the ringer. So that's why this famous reporter, George Knapp, is still on this story, because guess what? He believes Bob Lazar is telling the truth. And I, and I, I have to say, after, after going through this process, I do too. I believe Bob. And that's up to you, though. Yeah. You need to watch the movie and make your own decision. Right. Well, in addition to that, there were the, the government that he worked for, our government that he worked for, Bob did, which tried denied that he ever worked for them, and yet George went out and found evidence contrary to that, that in fact he was on a phone list. There's a number of different uh, elements uh, that support all of the things that Bob claimed, at least in terms of his working there and his, his time with the government. And on top of everything else, as someone who's always, uh, you have to be a bit skeptical about everything in life. Now, you don't have to be cynical. You don't have to be a contrarian. You just have to be... A, a healthy amount of skepticism helps all of us. Watching this right. film, watching this film, and watching Bob Lazar, he is he is an incredibly compelling, very calm, measured, intelligent, forthright person. In in watching him, you interviewed in multiple settings, multiple times throughout the course of this film. People around him, the people who are closest to him. I think George says something very important in the film when he says. The closer you get to the people around Bob Lazar, the more they believe him. They're the people who are the most adamant about believing who who he says he is and what he did. I think that was a wonderful part of the film to be included, is that 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 uh, that comment by George. Yeah, look, um, let, let's get to the crux of that, which is that uh, one of his friends, one of Bob Lazar's in an interview, he said to me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm filming with him for like hours, and he just looks at me. And he goes, you know, you want to know the truth about UFOs, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, 
if you want to know the truth about UFOs, you don't got to look for UFOs. You got to look at Bob Lazar's character. Is he somebody that would lie for 30 years to everybody? To, would he lie to his wife of 18 years, sleeping next to him every night? Would he lie to his mom? Could he pull this off with the people he loved and his family? You know, could he do, is that, is that in his character? Is that in his nature? So he says, if you want to know the truth about UFOs, you just got to learn the truth about Bob Lazar. Well, and then you'll make your own decision. Right. And would, would he not, would he lie and about, you know, not going to, in order to not go to jail? And that's another whole part of the story. I don't know if I oh, want to get into huge. it, but there was, he was saved. He was faced with a situation where he could, quote unquote, come clean if he if he in order to avoid going to jail, which, again, it's watch the film. And it, it sounds more damning. Well, let me go ahead. If you want to bring yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, I just want to. Yeah, because <laughs> it, the story is so detailed and so complex. Yeah. I want to just throw that out there. People are like, why are you going to jail? Okay, <laughs> exactly. so let, me, let me explain that real quick. Okay. <laughs> Um, in the short version of it, Bob Lazar has always been a rebel, a renegade. He's you know, always been a lively personality, let's say. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that happened in his life was you know, he, he thought it was great. He installed all these security cameras in a, in a brothel in, in Nevada and you know, did with a booking and computer system and kind of set them up. He was proud of it. He told George. George was like, what are you doing? George is seeing his professional <laughs> career flash before his eyes. The UFO Messiah is installed cameras in a brothel. So George Knapp called the cops. George Knapp called the cops. He goes, look, I'm a longtime Las Vegas reporter. You know, don't, Bob's shutting it down. I had him shut it down. You don't mess with him. You know, by the way, the madam of this uh, brothel, she was in the pocket of all the DIA guys and all the uh, FBI guys. So, you know, she had like an in with them already. But the only person, nobody even got a parking ticket. And Bob Lazar was put in court for an ancient pandering charge, which nobody got arrested for in Las Vegas. They were after him. So what's so funny is he goes there, it took court to defend himself, and they put him through unbelievable scrutiny to, to, to go through the details of his life, you know, to decide, you know, is he going to go to prison or, or not for this? And that was the time he shared with the judge, and he shared with all the investigation people for that trial case, he shared with them his employment history. And they couldn't prove it. So they, they actually got Congressman Bill Bray and, and a bunch of other people to say, hey, if Bob is saying this in court, then show us the documents. Now let's Air Force Base, you know, show us the documents, the government, right? Yeah. They didn't say Bob Lazar didn't work for us. This was the most revealing. They didn't say, we don't know who Bob Lazar is. The, the judge, the congressman, they were told, you don't have a need to know. Oh, my God. Which is so damning. <laughs> To the detractors, it gives me goosebumps. Okay. Well, let's let's sort of reset our conversation here because we've been talking about Bob Lazar, which we we need to do in order to sort of. This is such an extraordinary subject matter that it, it's very important to sort of establish the credibility of him, and you do that very effectively. He does it very effectively, really. At the end of the day, it's about what he, he how he presents himself and his story. But the, 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 the subject of, the, of his work was he was a, a small segmented part of a project in what is known as Area 51, but it actually wasn't exact. It was inside Area 51, and you can explain a little bit about that. And the actual project, we mentioned it at the top of the interview about the propulsion system and why Bob is so convinced that human beings could not possibly have come up with this. If you could explain a little bit about that part of the story. 
Right. Okay. So uh, there, there's everybody knows about Area 51 because that's just the, the term that everybody knows. Area 51 is at Groom Lake in Nevada. It's on a, on a base, the, the Nellis uh, base. Now, here's the deal, though. South, about 17 miles south of Groom Lake, there is another lake, a dry lake bed, called Papoose Lake. And this is where Bob said there was a facility called S4, Site 4. And at this facility was where they were doing all non-terrestrial projects, meaning extraterrestrial projects. So this was the, the claim, but nobody had ever heard of S4. S4 was not in any media. The, the Internet was barely being born with a paranet. Nobody had ever said S4 before. And George happened back in 1989 as an investigative journalist to know the uh, public relations officer at the base. So right after George is doing an investigation, he called the base and they admitted it. They admitted they had an S4. They admitted that they had multiple S4s and they did classified projects at those S4s. How did Bob know? So this is, this is the story of Bob Lazar, right? That there was this base and they were back engineering alien spacecraft. But let me also tell you this, which is that he knows for sure that it wasn't our government. In fact, he, the first time he saw a flying saucer, the one he was going to be working on, he touched it with his hand and he thought, oh, these idiots, these morons, everybody thought. The, the, the UFOs were from somewhere else. They're ours. We make them. He was like laughing inside. <laughs> well, he stopped laughing on two occasions. One is when they showed him how the technology worked, how the reactor, the antimatter reactor, how it worked with the gravity wave amplification devices. And then when he got to step inside of the flying saucer, the flying disc that he dubbed very cutely the sport model because it looked really sleek, he said stepping inside was ominous. It, it wasn't the feeling you'd imagine of, oh, this is so cool, this is technology. He felt like he shouldn't be in there. First of all, the seats were way too small. They were like child size, like half human, man human size, right? And everything was the same color, the same tone. And the way the technology worked, he said, was essentially like magic. He's like, it was so perfect. It broke every law of thermodynamics. We do not have the material science to be able to make this thing. And let's back up one step further, which is that this propulsion source, this uh, gravity wave amplification system, this is the time, he said it ran off an element called element 115. Element 115 wasn't even an official element at the time when he told the story on the periodic chart. Yes, after that, we have synthesized unstable versions of element 115 that last for milliseconds before they completely annihilate. And so this is the, you know, the, the half-life. It just, it's like milliseconds. However, he said he worked with a stabilized form of element 115. We now know element 115 is on the periodic chart in an unstable version. We also know that gravity is a wave. And that's only from a couple years ago when Bob said it. That wasn't the case. We didn't know that. And it's so funny because Bob is so unimpressed when I bring things to him. I'm like, Bob, Bob, you're vindicated, man. Gravity is a wave. And he says, yeah, well, you know, Jeremy, if you think about it, uh, I had a 50-50 chance. So that's not really proof. And I'm like, all right, all right. But there's so many little things that start adding up where you cannot dismiss his story any further because the evidence that he's telling the truth outweighs the evidence that he's lying. However, like you said at the beginning, we must, and Bob wants you to be skeptical. Without skepticism, if you come to a conclusion, then you are soft. You will lose your ability to defend that conclusion without putting it through rigor. And so Bob even asks, just look at it and don't dismiss it and don't look at it 
with fake news or false facts because that's the majority of what you see on the Internet about him now. I want to remind our listeners that we are talking with the director, producer, cinematographer, editor for the new film, Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Uh, and that would be Jeremy Corbell. And I, I, I echo everything you said. I mean, either this is the greatest stunt in the history of film or this is something by the end of it. I was literally sitting there. There's a point in the, in the movie where... Bob looks at the camera and says, I'm not going to say what he says, but basically everything that we have resisted believing or those of you, those there are a lot of people who believe that there are there has to be life outside of our little our little blue rock. There has to be. And but we've resisted the the thought that they that 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 life forms or those life forms have come here. And it it sure makes that case. It's sure, certainly. I, I don't know what to say. I feel I feel like I'm in charted, uncharted water here when I talk about. No, no, this. no. Look, you brought out you brought out a very important point. Okay, when I started looking into this, when I was a kid, we we, we it was not the social consensus at the time that, that extraterrestrials existed. I mean, honestly, we live in a different world now. We're in 2017 through the New York Times, the Pentagon released two now three videos clear camera fighter pilot videos, which, by the way, I broke that story before the New York Times. That's on record. Commander David Fravor, one of the fighter pilots that engaged a UFO, they call them AAVs, Anomalous Aerial Vehicles. That's the military and defense intelligence agency term. I broke that story two, two times before the New York Times. Now, here's the deal. We live in a world now where we know it's true. We know that there are craft of unknown origin that outpace our most modern technology that know government on this earth no military can make because of the way the propulsion system works it's impossible we now live in a world where we know that's true but back 30 years ago it was laughable when i told people my interest in in, in ufos so the big debate is okay now we all agree social consensus that we can't be alone in the universe that life is probably homogenous you know all around the, the known universe but the big question is are they visiting here and people have these strange ideas that technology is just like we think it is and we have it all figured out and you'd have to travel at the speed of light there's no way because mass extends and then you would basically die and there's no way well that is not true and they also thought nothing could travel faster than the speed of light well we already have like five i think five different particles that we know do like quarks and the way that they are uh, quantumly bound you know we know that information is data is transferred instantaneously across space and time faster than the speed of light so we now live in a world that is so different than the world in 1989. And that question is no longer, are we alone in the universe? You know, no, we are sure there's life other places. You gotta be an idiot not to believe that. <laughs> However, are they visiting here? Yes. Like you said, that's the question. And the Bob Lazar story tells you about that. Whether you wanna believe it or not, you gotta look at the evidence, you gotta look at the information, and you gotta decide for yourself. But I gotta tell you, it's compelling. It is very compelling. This is a this is in addition to all the things we're talking about that which in their own way are very weighty, heavy subjects. The film itself is incredibly entertaining, and and it really is. It's it's a fun watch. It and I think a lot of this this for me watching it with the sort of the the entertainment part of it was that there's always this little this little thing on your shoulder saying, "Oh, come on." I mean, for for a good chunk of the film, it's just, it's just like, 
but I, but I, but that eventually becomes a very faint little, yes, but I, I just, I don't know exactly, I'm not explaining this very well. It's part of the viewing experiences because it flies in the face of what a lot of us have been told for a long, long time. And it's hard to completely flip that this so quickly. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'm doing a very good job. I mean, job. look, look. Our, our, our parents told us Santa Claus existed, yeah, you know, and yeah. then we find out it's not true. Hey, that flips your script when you're a kid, man. You're like, whoa, the whole world. You mean someone doesn't come down my chimney and give me presents, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, we always learn stuff that isn't true. And as adults, what we do is we come to realize, yeah. well, I need to expand my concept of the universe. You know, I need to start to understand. So, yeah, you're going to have that childlike moment where you go from somebody being like, oh, come on, what's going on here? And, you know, the film speaks for itself. Yes, I mean, it you might be challenged. Your belief, your faith, even your religion, everything might be challenged by the possibility, the fearsome possibility that Bob Lazar could t be telling it like it is. He yeah. could be telling the absolute truth. Yeah. I, I want to, in the, in the last couple of minutes, I do want to talk to you a little bit about, the, and I think this is what I was referring to when I say it's an entertaining watch, is because you do a lot of very creative and clever things, a, a lot of jump cuts, a lot of interesting kind of uh, video cues in the film, a lot of things you did that I thought were terrific, just on a filmmaking level. It, it kept, it keeps the film moving along. It keeps you visually stimulated as well as intellectually curious about what's going on in in the in his story and in the world we live in. And I just want to say that it's a really fun part of the film. It's just a fun watch on that level, just as a film and a filmmaker level thank you so much because you know look man if i it, it, if the film doesn't capture you if it in fact doesn't weaponize your curiosity yeah. like it did me where you be, stop becoming a passive observer and consumer of information and data on this subject and if it doesn't make you so damn interested that you need to become an active participant in deciding for yourself about the truth about UFOs, and I haven't done my job. And as you know, we talked about, you know, I make films in the Artur style, like I, I, every frame, yeah. every single cut. You know, I, I try to make it so that the, the viewer is engaged and can't close their eyes or, or go take a leak during the movie, that they have to stay watching it, because, or you feel like you're going to miss something, which is true. It's so full-packed of new information, yeah. new evidence, and it is a data-poor perspective you know, to say, uh, to dismiss it, because you just haven't seen all the evidence yet. So, yeah, that's, that's what's up, man. Well, Jeremy, let me ask you then sort of an open-ended question, and I'm not sure that, you, that there is an answer to this, but I'll ask you anyway. What now? Where, where do we For take, the, where, yeah, in terms of what the film is about and sort of the revelations right. in the film, what now? Where do we go from here? What do we is is there a, a citizen action, or is it just something that, that, are, that the people who are running our country and, and, and in some ways running the world, where do we go from here? What does this mean? That is that 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 question is giving me goosebumps, and I'm going to tell you why. Because this is the first time I've been asked that question. Uh, because this is look, I'm talking to you immediately after the world premiere of my film, packed out theater at the Ace at the theater at the Ace in downtown LA, over 1,600 people. Uh, Mickey Rourke narrates the film. This yes. is a coup. This is a movie coup about UFOs, man. 
And so, you know, what now? What do we do with this information? Well, watch the film so you know what we're talking about. And, and then I'll, I'll say this. For 30 years, Bob Lazar's critics have been holding the mic, and they've been screaming in it, unchallenged, other than George Knapp, unchallenged, right? Well, last night, December 3rd, downtown Los Angeles for the world premiere, we took the mic back. And we're not letting go of this mic until people hear the real story of Bob Lazar. What do you do now, other than watch the film? What you do is you go to my website, extraordinarybeliefs.com, mm -hmm. and you email me. You email me your story. You tell me so I can learn more. And so then I can amplify your story if I find it to be credible. That's what you do. We keep putting this information out, and we shake the trees, and we shake them hard. Yeah, because when I was growing up, I'm, I'm a, a little older than you are, Jeremy, and, uh, you know, this is a challenge to uh, to our political system, we, we've always, I think human beings have always operated since the dawn of civilization on the idea that we are the center of the universe. This, this is an affront in some, it could be seen as an affront to religion, it could be a, a, seen as an affront to political order in, a sen, in the sense that we are, if this is all true or if this is, we're not alone. So do we, Look, do, yeah. do, do we wait for some other form of contact? How do we, this is what was always, again, and Bob says it in the film, this is, was, when I was growing up, this would have been the biggest story in the history of mankind. Yeah, look, man, <laughs> never wait. Never wait. wait, wait waiting is, is for food service. It's not for, for truth and UFOs. <laughs> never wait, man. Okay, so, so look, what, what, what we do is what we can do. Every single person that watches this movie, yeah. which will be in the dozens, if not hundreds of millions by the time this movie does its run, every single one of those people around the world has a voice. And you have an opportunity to learn the truth for yourself. As they say, the truth is out there. The truth is out there. And it requires you to participate and decide for yourself. So what you do is you watch it, you start developing your ideas, you start communicating, and you start contributing in whatever form you can. Let it be a podcast, let it be a radio show, let it be films, let it be books, let it be talking at the, at the dinner table for Thanksgiving. You bring this up, you talk about it, you discuss it, and that's what real movies do. Yeah. Real movies don't end when the credits are over. Real movies are about the conversations that occur after for generations. And if we can achieve that with this movie where people talk about it, then we have won. And think about it. The, the directors that, that I personally admire, you know, some are obscure, but I mean, you know, David Lynch, Kenneth Anger, Alejandro Jorabowski, oh my gosh, like yeah. these films, they have become part of the zeitgeist of human consciousness on this planet. They make you think, they make you move. And, and, and I hope in a small way, as a, as a growing filmmaker, as, as somebody, I am, the, I am the least authoritative filmmaker on the planet. I am the last person that should be, you know, being able to pull off a coup of making a film like this. But, like, if I can, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants, as they say, make a piece of cinema that makes you curious, then that's it. That's what has to happen. Yeah. That's what you do. That's where we go. Amen, brother. Well, I, I, I know one. If I know only one thing in about life, and that is, I don't know very much, and I'm always, always interested in finding out more.
and that should be the guiding principle for anyone who wants to see Bob Lazar, Area 51, and flying saucers. You and me both, Mike. We all need to learn as much as we can. We've got such a short amount of time on this earth, yeah. and it is exciting, man. So listen, let's, let's do this together. Let's break the Internet. I want everybody that listens to your show to do hashtag Bob Lazar with your questions, and I will jump on social media, and I will spend months and months answering every question I can from your listeners. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time and for your, for your film. Jeremy Corbell, thank you so much. The film, again, is Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers. It is, as you said, it's on platforms. You woke up this morning to find out it's on iTunes, and it's number two with a rocket. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to be number one, and we're going to hold number one. We're taking over number one. I'm coming for you, Mr. Rogers. You're gone. We're doing this. We're at, we are at number two within the first you know, eight hours of it being released. We're hitting number one, baby. This is going to be a massive success. Very good. Jeremy, thank you so much for, for being here on Film School. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. you got a new fan of me in your show, and I hope all your listeners enjoy this. Go to ExtraordinaryBeliefs.com to learn more. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.